one of the defensive coaches came up to me and it kind of made me mad that he was like, um, you know, I was I was in Detroit with uh, Megatron, but you're not there yet. Um, you know, in my mind, I'm not trying to be Megatron. I'm trying to be me. So, um, you know, it had a, had a little uh, chip on my shoulder the whole game. Was that Jim Schwartz? Uh, yes, sir. Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf after that tremendous primetime Monday night performance as he helped the Hawks and knock off the Eagles, taking the Seahawks to eight and three. Just one of the topics coming up on the 206 Sports Pod uh, with former Cougar, former Seahawk, current Seahawk pre and post game town. He does a lot of other stuff too. I'm just glad once again that he can he can squeeze us in. Michael Bumpus, Bump, how you doing this week? I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. Tom, we're watching football. On a Wednesday. How about that? Is, uh, at lunchtime at that, I had lunch and I watched an NFL game, so I can't complain. How are you? I'm doing okay. Steelers, uh, Ravens going at it due to the COVID situation uh, with the Ra- Ravens as, as we record. By the way, our, uh, our, our third leg on the stool, uh, Bill Kruger, technical issues this week, so we're, we're down to two, but at least uh, we have two for you. So we'll, we'll have Bill rejoin us uh, next week. So in addition to the Seahawks, we're going to talk some college football. Uh, Michael's Cougars, Huskies uh, thrown in to the mix uh, as well. Some breaking NBA news, which raises the potential of a very Griffey senior and junior-like scenario, maybe, in the NBA. We'll, of course, have our stars of the week. Uh Michael, let's start, though, with the Seahawks. Let's start with DK Metcalf was the big story coming out of that game. And uh, in addition to his phenomenal performance, 10 catches, a career-high 177 yards, it was that exchange pregame with Eagles defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. Uh, And is DK the next Megatron, or will he be the Mandalorian, as Pete Carroll is pushing? Anyway, (laughs) what, what did you make of that? Let's call it a controversy, Schwartz, DK Metcalf. Uh, DK took it, I guess, as a, as a bit of an insult. Schwartz circled back around after hearing that and said, hey, I was just trying to, to compliment him and say, you know, you're on your way to becoming that caliber of receiver. Yeah, it's, it's all about context, right? How exactly did Schwartz say it? But DK received it in a way that allowed him to use it as motivation, which I'm okay with. You got to find something every day, every week to get out, out the bed and, and take on the day and just motivate yourself. And he, and he used that to motivate him. And I like that. Why not use that to motivate him? Even if Schwartz meant it in the most complimentary way you could ever present it. DK is like, look, I'm my own man. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do me. And technically right now, second year in the league DK's numbers are better than Calvin Johnson's so he has he has a point there if he is kind of offended I get it but Calvin Johnson's one of the greatest of all times and he retired early who would have known what would have happened if he had three or four or more years but nonetheless DK comes out 10 catches 177 yards and just I guess um reintroduces himself to the world if, if you forgot about him he reminds you real quickly that he is a top five receiver in this league yeah. In, inside of Seattle, no reintroduction necessary, but outside on primetime Monday night football, um, for those that were wondering, they should wonder no more. I, I would find it hard to believe. I, I don't know Jim Schwartz. I can't imagine. I can't imagine any bright coach in the NFL pregame trying to give an extremely talented player additional <laughs> motivation. Like, would that surprise you? Uh, yeah, that would surprise me. 
Rule number one in football, bulletin board material. They probably don't have bulletin boards no more. These kids born in the 2000s probably don't know what that is. But you don't want to give the opponent anything they can hang up in the locker room and say, okay, now let's really go after these guys. And that's what it sounds like Schwartz did. Now, Schwartz has been in the league for a while. He's been a head coach. He's, he knows what he's doing. I think he was trying to show him some love. And, but you also have to think about the, the athlete before a game. They're tapped into a place that most people don't tap into. They're, they become hunters, and they're, they're, they're almost angry, and they're looking for reasons to go out there and play hard. And DK found his reason. I think Schwartz is smarter than that, but DK, you use it however you want to, and he used it to get 177 yards. Absolutely. Well, look, well, DK uh, offensively was, was the story for the Seahawks, but I thought in the, in the bigger picture of the potential of this team moving forward, it was – the play of the defense. Now we've, we've got to qualify that a little bit, I think, because the Eagles offensively are a hot mess. Um, that, that is not a good group. So with, with that acknowledgement, um, you, I think you do have to say though, Carlos Dunlap has made a difference. A healthy er Jamal Adams makes a difference. I think this defense is certainly trending the right way. Yeah, they are, especially the last two weeks. They've allowed almost, what, 19 points. They've uh, gotten after the quarterback. They had six sacks last game. And not only did they just have six sacks, five different guys got involved. And that's what you want to see. It's nice if a guy goes out and has a great day, three, four sacks. Good for him. But once you see different names show up on a stat stat sheet in the sack column, you're doing something right. And Jamal Adams just brings a toughness and a swagger and confidence to this defense that we haven't seen in a very long time. Tom, he's out there. He's not even making it. There's a play on the sideline. He didn't even make the play. But the way he was celebrating and talking trash to the sideline made you think that he made the play. And guys just feed off of that. So it's nice. I think this defense is getting better. Pete Carroll told us all year, they're going to get better. They're going to get better. And we're waiting to see it. And I think we're finally starting to see it. On the flip side, Philadelphia, O-line is beat up. They don't really have a number one receiver. Carson Wentz isn't playing his best football. So there are some things that helped the Seahawks that night. But what if they went out and only had one sack? What if they went out and allowed Wentz to throw for 300 yards? Then we, we would be all over them. So they took care of business. They yeah. did what they were supposed to do against a lesser opponent. You know, you mentioned Jamal, and, and the, the play that stood out for me was he, he was coming in on a blitz, stopped himself, heads to the sideline. I, uh, I think it was possibly a, a back out of the a backfield making a catch. And hit him so hard, it reverberated through the television set. But it, it wasn't to me. It was less about the hit and more about the effort. The fact that he went from from starting on a blitz and was able to make that play out on the sideline. Um, talk about that one a little bit. I mean, you know the that's that's athletic ability, uh, but that's also desire. Yeah, that's a play that Pete Carroll is going to show the team together. You know, usually offense and defense separate, they go their ways and they break down film. That's a play that Pete is going to show and be like, look, this is the effort that we need. If this guy who is the second highest paid safety in the league is putting out this type of effort, why can't everybody do that? And I think naturally as professionals, you're going to want to do that. I know as a competitor, I'm not going to let my team man outwork me. I'm going to work just as hard, if not harder than him, because I don't want to. I don't want him to feel like he's carrying my extra weight, and I think that's what this defense is going to see. You got Jamal Adams flying around, making plays, and having fun. I saw more smiles on that defense than I've seen all year, and I think that's huge. 
we know about effort with this team because obviously earlier this season, the, the epic effort play was DK's chase down of, of Buda Baker. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that's really been an issue in the Pete Carroll era in terms of, of effort from his club. So the Seahawks now at eight and three, they've got the giants coming in a, a lousy giants team that may be without its starting quarterback, Daniel Jones. So you got to take advantage of that. They they've got over the next three games, nothing but beatable teams with the jets, the winless jets, the Washington football club. And then it's, they're going to get tested their last two games Rams. And then they're going to close it out with the Cardinals. My question is this, New Orleans is leading the conference at nine and two. The Hawks and Packers check in at eight and three. How important is it in this COVID season where most stadiums have no fans or very few fans to be a number one seed? Do you you see that as less important this year or more important this season? It's probably less important, but I still feel like it's important, right? Because you want to play in your home stadium. You're familiar with the weather. You get to sleep in your bed. Uh, You don't have to travel. So there's that. And then um, if you get that home field advantage, you get that number one seat, it allows you to get healthy. If you have guys, guys are going to be banged up. No one is completely healthy this part of the season unless you just haven't been playing and you're on the sideline looking pretty and your jersey's all clean. That's the only way you're completely healthy. So you get the buy as far as home field advantage. When you're on the field, there's no, no other influences. You don't have the crowd booing you. You don't, I mean, I could imagine as a rookie, it's probably a lot easier to play and perform at a high level just because you don't have that, that added pressure of fans booing you. Now, some people love that me. I, I appreciate it when fans booed, I loved it. I'm like, you're paying attention. Thank you for paying attention to what we're doing. Um, and so I, I loved it. So I, I, for a guy like me, I feel like it, it would be harder because now I got to find ways to motivate myself. I have to lean on my teammates. I can't look into the stands and see the home side or the away side and feed off of that energy. But when you get into the playoffs, it's all about being healthy and executing at a high level. If you get that number one seed, you're going to be healthy. And the league has shown road teams have been more successful this year than any other year in the NFL simply because there's no other influence, no crowd, no tailgate, none of that craziness. Have we talked enough um, before we move on about the lack of crowd noise in, in this particular case at Lumen Field, formerly CenturyLink Field, in terms of the impact on the Seahawks pass, pass rush? We, we just talked about how it's improving, but pre-Dunlap, I'm wondering in those home games, uh, for the Seahawks, if you know, everybody talked about how difficult it is for the offensive lineman to hear the snap count and the advantage that would give the Seahawks defense in terms of its pass rush, um, how big a factor might that be even moving forward? Are, in other words, are the Seahawks, because of the noise here, noise that they get in Kansas City, to some degree penalized more maybe than other teams? Um, maybe. It's, that's, that's such a hard thing to measure, you know, because you have to be in the head of the player, right? You have to be in, on the sideline and hear their conversations. I would think defensively, it helps not having the crowd because you can hear the snap count. You can make adjustments. You start to pick up on their language. I mean, what paid Manny used to say, Omaha. Uh, by the third quarter, you probably know what Omaha means because right. he said it so much. Or it might even be a dummy call. Offensively, I think it hurts because now you can't rely on those those uh, encroachment penalties. You know, guys jumping off sides. Though 
I think it was the last home game the Hawks had, the Cardinals were jumping off like the 12s were there. So that was pretty interesting right. to see. There, there's pluses and minuses when it comes to that. But not having the crowd, I feel like benefits the defense more than the offense. All right, let's talk some college football. Yeah, so I mean, our whole team was obviously excited. That was a that was a huge victory, and uh, you know, we talked about our guys competing, competing fearlessly, no matter what the circumstances are. And uh, there were some tremendous circumstances in that game uh, with us being down twenty-one to nothing against a formidable opponent in Utah, who uh, year in and year out has one of the best defenses, and and for us to uh, go in there and and score 24 unanswered points against a quality defense uh, was a tremendous accomplishment uh, for our team. That's Husky head coach Jimmy Lake, the unbeaten head coach of the Washington Huskies, now 3-0 and in his career. His club comes back from 21 down, 21 to nothing against Utah at Husky Stadium. They win it 24-21, to a, a fill-in game because, Michael, we did not get to have, at least so far, the Apple Cup, at least we didn't have it as uh, scheduled the day after uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, so you, your Cougars didn't play. They're going to get back at it um, this week. And before we, we dive a little bit deeper into Wazoo, um, talk a little bit about Jimmy Lake's team. You know, uh, we, we talked about crowd, you know, to make that kind of comeback w- without that, that energy you get from a crowd. You know how it is when you're down and things start to happen and the crowd comes alive that it seems what they did is tougher than normal to come back from such a big deficit. Yeah, it's tough. You don't have the crowd. You can't, you can't really feel the momentum swing, right? At least we can. We're watching it. We can't really feel it. Maybe on the field is different than there. They can feel it happening, but you can't really feel that momentum swing. And then you have a freshman quarterback leading the charge. The kid's having his roughest day so far. He's thrown three interceptions, but somehow he finds a way to stay locked in and get it done. And you got to tip your hat off to this defense. I mean, UW's defense, they got a kid over there. I don't want to mess his name up. I'm afraid I'm going to mess his name (laughs) up. I know you're talking about Uh, (laughs) it, and I would mess it up. It takes a lot of practice. I'm just just calling him Z. Good enough. The the, the outside back of the the, the rusher, this kid is amazing. I mean, he's got seven sacks on the year, and he is an anchor on that defense. It all starts with defense, UW. When you think of UW, you think of defense. They put defense alignment out linebackers out dbs out every year someone on this uw defense is leading the charge and getting drafted and that's what i saw i saw a defense that kind of picked up their freshman quarterback and say look we got you this game there's going to be games where you're going to have to win it for us we got you here and then he had the composure to drive down the field i believe his last drive was 12 plays 80 something yards um got outside the pocket threw it to their tight end who was their leading receiver right now and um it was fun to watch i it was fun to watch. Though I am a, a Cougar, I appreciate good football. I appreciate resilience. And that's what I saw out of that Husky team. Utah is a good program. Both these teams, when you think of these programs, you think of defense. Utah, should we got two Utes on the Seahawks right now. You got Cody Barton. You got Marquise Blair. So they put out the defensive players as well. It was a, a real character builder for this program and for their freshman quarterback. Yeah. Dylan Morris did a great job. And, and, and when you put – a drive together like that, and you are a freshman, what that does for your confidence obviously is, is significant. But I think you make a great point, Michael, and that um, that defense and the, the type of athletes they've sent on to the NFL, uh, so much of that credit goes to the guy who is now the head coach in, in Jimmy Lake. And he's doing a, an excellent job under these obviously 
uh, stressful circumstances uh, this year. And let's not forget, I mean, because the Apple Cup was blown up, this, this matchup with Utah, that for both teams, um, such an unusual situation, although it's becoming more usual uh, due to the virus uh, in, in this season. All right, so your Cougs, and with the Huskies having uh, Stanford coming in this week, your Cougs have a Sunday game. Uh, down in your uh, your old stomping grounds in, in Los Angeles at the Coliseum uh, against SC. So, you know, this this disruption for Nick Rolovich trying to get his program going in his first year, what, what do you kind of make of, of where they're at? You know, they've had obviously uh, significant COVID issues, which is why the Apple Cup was called off. Yeah, um, it's it's difficult to tell where they really are because of that that break that they had but before that break um i love what jane delora was doing um, overall he's completed 72 excuse me 42 of 72 passes 548 yards four touchdowns and only one interception what I also what i've saw they we have a run game now uh, we haven't had a run game since i was there and jerome harrison was leading the charge rushing for over a thousand yards they got a running back at mcintosh who has two touchdowns 239 yards and they're getting Max back is what I'm hearing. Max Borgie should be mm -hmm. back this week. So I think I'll have a better idea of who they really are. They're dealing with the same struggles. You got a true freshman quarterback. He's going to have his true freshman moments, but he's also shown that the moment isn't too big for him. Now, going down to L.A. and playing at the Coliseum, I don't care if it's 100,000 in there or there's 10 people in there. There's just something about going down to Cali and playing the Trojans with all the history and the tradition that's there. Maybe... Because Jane is so young, he doesn't know the, the tradition and the story of SC. So he won't let all that, that stuff get to him. Um, but I, I want to see this defense take another step. The offense is moving in the right direction. Now it's time for the defense to kind of catch up. You know, Borgie's interesting. I'm really curious. We know how Mike Leach used him. I think it'll be fascinating to see how Rolovich uses him because he is a really talented, talented guy. Do you, do you think he's a, a play on Sunday kind of guy? I think he is. I think he'll get a chance. I think he'll get drafted late or he'll get invited to a um, a training camp. Then it's all about being being in the right situation. Yeah. What, what's going to help him is that running backs these days are asked to catch the football. You're not just your Emmett Smith types where you're just going to run the football 90% of the time. The more versatile you are, the better you are. So there might be a spot for him. I look at guys like Burkhead, um, running backs like that that are kind of comparable to him. Mm -hmm. So I think he'll have a chance. All right. Um, we, we don't talk a lot of soccer on the 206. Um, I love soccer, but Me as well. in, in terms of topic, you know, it's a little hard to, to, to take a deep dive into, but there is no denying that Sounders FC is an elite franchise. Um, a terrific recent run of success, uh, three trips to the MS, MLS uh, title game in, in recent years, two titles, uh, last night, a victory over Dallas, 1-0. So they're on to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, they are making their uh, latest serious run at another championship. Um, and that got me to thinking in terms of their head coach, Brian Schmetzer, who, who Brian's been around forever. I mean, early 80s kind of started to make a name for himself as a Sounders player. I am of the opinion that there is no better coach in the Northwest college or pro just simply based on his record than Brian Schmetzer. Yep. So I want your thoughts on that. I'm going to slot Pete Carroll into the two spot because he yep. has a Super Bowl title and a second trip to the Super Bowl. 
we'll skip that. And I'm going Mark Few, who just notched his 600th career victory. He's now up to uh, 601 as the Zags are off, the top-ranked Zags are off to a 2-0 start. So um, how far off base am I? I? I think you're spot on, honestly. You cannot, you can't, you can't beat winning. You can't beat having a chance to win a championship. And the Sounders have done that every single year. I think Ziggy had a big, big part of that. Rest yeah. in peace, Ziggy. He kind of got this stuff going. But he's come in and continued it. And you hear him talk about his players. He says, I have a room, a locker room full of winners. They understand what is what it means to win and how to win. And that starts up top. So whatever he's doing is trickling down into that locker room and they're getting it done. They're fun to watch. It's only a one nil game against Dallas FC last night, but there were a few plays. It could have easily been three, zero, four, zero. Uh, they just yeah. didn't capitalize, but you see the, the talent and the potential of this team. It's about time for another MLS cup. I think you're right. They're doing great stuff. They'll play uh, in that Western conference final. They're going to play the uh, winner of sporting Kansas city and Minnesota. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about our Stars of the Week presented by Ecliptic Brewing. Pour some space in your face. Ecliptichbrewing.com. Go to their website. Uh, outstanding products, two of which are out in my garage refrigerator right now. So, Michael, who's your, uh, who's your star of the week? No surprise. That's why you let me go first. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. Know I know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. I got to go DK, man. Yep. Interceptions, 177 yards. What I liked about DK is that he doesn't feed into all the extra stuff. These DBs are going to try to get under his skin. They're going to challenge him. They're going to pull his face mask. And he does enough to let them know that you're not going to just puck me around. But then he steps away from the situation and says, okay, I have a ball game to play. And Slade tried to get, get into his head, and it just didn't work. And I felt like he got better after that. He's like, all right, well, your coach already motivated me. Now you're motivating me. And then I believe he, he drew two personal fouls in the first quarter, two personal fouls. So he's a focal point. I love the direction DK's going. He leads the league with 1,039 yards. This dude is a superstar. My star goes to number 14, DK Metcalf. I, I cannot disagree with that. I'll tell you, it was also just to follow up. It, it was great to see Chris Carson back and yes. you know, that touchdown run of him is that, that is that that's a man's touchdown run. That's beast mode type of, I will not be denied run. And, and you could see in Pete Carroll's reaction to that play, how significant he felt it was that toughness uh, before I give you my star of the week, a little, are we seeing a, we're seeing a little less of Russ cooking and we're we're yeah. seeing this are, are we going to see even a little a little less moving forward as chris carson maybe gets in more game shape are we looking at you know going back to a seahawks offense that we have become more familiar with uh in previous years what do you think i think we are i think that's the the safer way to play this game i also think there's going to be a game or two, no matter how far this team goes into the playoffs to where it's going to be Russell's day and he's going to throw his four touchdowns. Sure. But this, this is the type of office that Pete Carroll's used to USC days, Reggie Bush, Lindell White. This is what he does. He likes to run the football, but then he'll still open it up. He still had Mike Williams. He still has Steve Smith over there at SC. So it's finding the balance. And right now 
All they have to do is win ball games. Mm-hmm. If they can minimize risk, which is throwing the football 40 times and put the football into Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde's hands, I think that's the way to go. But I also think there's going to be a time where Russell just takes the game over. Gotcha. I agree. Um, are you a motorsports fan at all? Motorsports. I mean, I, I motorsports. Watch it. I can tell yeah. you. I can tell you a bunch of names though. But I okay. watch it. I'm with you. I'm not a gearhead. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll tune into Indy, Indy 500. Mm-hmm. Um, not into NASCAR at all. Just doesn't just doesn't appeal to me. I, I've become a bit of a fan though of of Formula One. Okay. And of course, in Formula One, the, the marquee driver is now the winningest driver in that sports history in, in Lewis Hamilton, uh, seven-time champion as of this year. In fact, sidebar, tested positive for COVID uh, this week, so he won't be driving this week. I bring this up because um, there's a driver on that circuit who is miraculously alive. Uh, their last yeah. race over the weekend, Roman Grosjean, um, doesn't drives for the Haas team. Um, and as I'm watching the race on Sunday, they start very early. So I tape it, get up. And when that crash occurred, an instant fireball, he hit uh, a steel guardrail at roughly 130 miles an hour, instantly engulfed in flames. His car broke in half. Uh, the driver's protective cockpit did its job, but he was literally wedged into this barrier. I mean, your immediately thought was this is not a survivable accident. And lo and behold, he is able to get himself out of that uh, with what turned out to be, I can't even believe it's true, nothing more than second degree burns on the back of his hand. So um, he is my star of the week. What he, the fact that he survived, did not lose consciousness, was able to get himself uh, out of that car. He's going to spend his holidays with his wife and his kids. It's, it's unbelievable. He released some audio yesterday, and I thought people should hear what he had to say. Here's that. Thank you all for the messages. Sorry if I didn't quite reply to you. Um, but yeah, I'm leaving the hospital normally tomorrow. Um, get better and better. Obviously, a few parts a bit painful, but... Uh, yeah, uh, it's okay. I mean, after uh, what happened, I guess uh, the pain is, is not too bad. So, uh, yes, I'm happy to be alive and to talk to you. So there you go, Michael. It, it, it's quite a story. If you saw it, uh, I would say to people, yeah. it's it's disturbing to see if you haven't seen it, but it also... If you want to see it, I wouldn't dissuade anybody. It speaks to the safety advances that have taken place, not only in, in Formula One, but motorsports um, overall. It was something. Roman Grosjean, my star of the week. I, it, it was amazing. Yeah, I, I, I see crashes like that, and I think of Dale Earnhardt. I think once yeah. Dale Earnhardt passed away, a lot of things changed. You're like, okay, we just lost a legend. We have to make sure across all the, the motorsports that you know we take these measures. And um, yeah, for him to hop out of that, that was crazy. And then to give us a message from his, his hospital bed with his hands all wrapped up. Yep. Um, that's amazing. And what's going to be even more amazing is that he's going to get back in the car and keep on racing, which is awesome. Stunning, stunning stuff. So there you go. Those are our stars of the week presented by Ecliptic Brewing out of this world beer. Learn more about it. Take advantage of it. Just go to Ecliptic Brewing. 
Com. So let's put a, uh, a wrap on the 206 Sports Pod with news that uh, LeBron James has a contract extension, a two-year max extension for, uh, I think it's $83 million. I hope he'll, yeah, $85 million, two-year max. Okay, so, but the interesting story is immediately people are now like, okay, he's got the extension. One of his sons, Bronny, theoretically... <laughs> If the rule changes, and, and there's thoughts the rule by the time Bronny could jump directly from high school to the NBA, um, will have changed that LeBron and his son may be in the NBA at the same time. To which I say, um, can we just let the kid play some high school basketball? <laughs> can we take the heat off him a little bit and just let him enjoy it? <laughs> I mean, has he been a prom yet? Has he been a homecoming? Have he, has he had Does he have his license? I don't think he has his license. First kiss. I mean, there's a lot of things this kid needs to do before he gets to the NBA, though that would be a great story. It would be right. even better if it was with my Lakers because, you know, I'm a Laker fan. So I know if, you are. If, if that happens, that would be awesome. But, yeah, that's in theory, that's great. But some of my best memories of growing up are just playing sports in high school. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's the purest form of the game because you're not getting paid for money. It's a town. Your town shows up on a Friday night just to support you. There's something real innocent about high school sports in most schools. Now you go to IMG and those academies, it's a little different, but uh, yeah, man, let the kid enjoy himself. His dad's paid. That's nice. 42 million a year. Not too shabby, but uh, let, let the kid go to prom first. <laughs> how, how tough would it be to be the high school coach for a son of LeBron James or a son of Michael Jordan or a son of Larry, but you know, my point, regardless of, you know, when you're coaching the son or the daughter, depending upon the sport yeah. of, of a superstar and um, you know, people are watching how that kid's developing, how you're coaching them. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, out for Bronny James. It's worked out all right for his dad, which, you know, it, it's interesting, Michael, you think about guys who, it's tough enough to do what you did, which is which is have a a phenomenal collegiate career. That last step to the professional level is a tough one to even get to the NFL, to even get to Major League Baseball. I mean, the, the odds you're overcoming are, are astronomical. But when you yeah. think about a LeBron James, who had so much focus on him in high school, Tiger Woods hit the national scene on the Mike Douglas talk show, I think at age three or four as a golf <laughs> prodigy. And to have the, I mean, that's a whole different level of dealing with, with pressure and expectations. Yeah, it is. And I think the thing that's going to help Bronny is because his dad already experienced it and lived up to it. That's the thing. A lot of guys don't live up to it. There's a lot of prodigies or, the next this, the next that. And a lot of dudes just don't live up to it. And that's not a bad thing. It's, it's no. just we're always searching for the next something. So no right. matter what happens with, with Bronny, he's got a dad who understands what he's going through and is going to support him all the way through. Um, so good for him. But there, there's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some long nights, going to be some nights with some tears and, and all that. But that's life. That's that's life as an athlete. You got the extra pressure there. Good thing he has LeBron James as his dad, man, because uh, it'd be rough for him. Yeah, and and the Lakers, I think everybody in the NBA is already back at it in terms of camp, and and your guys won a championship what four, five, six weeks ago. I've lost I've lost track in this COVID area, but a quick turnaround <laughs> is they'll be out 
to defend their title. Michael, as always, good stuff. We appreciate it. Uh, have fun on the Hawks uh, broadcast this week. I, I assume you see no issues with the Giants coming this direction. You know, you got to respect everyone in this league, but I'm looking at the film, Tom. I'm looking at the stats. Hawks should win by double digits. All right. Not going to stub your toe against the Giants. You've done a great job reclaiming the lead in the division. So um, I, I think these guys understand that, especially over the next three weeks with the teams they'll take on and the Giants, the Jets, and uh, Washington, they got to be all about the business. And I'm sure they'll yes, be sir. ready. Get it done. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Let's go. And then go beat the Rams too. Why not? Why not beat them and the Niners? Close <laughs> it out. 13 and three. Why not? Bump as always. We appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, sir. That'll do it for the 206 Sports Pod. We'll talk to you again next week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.